You're listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, putting purpose to pain, turning men into soldiers, and weaponizing testimonies. I'm Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. Episode 18 of the Over a Drink podcast. We are doing this thing. Uh, we have a friend on today and we're Zoom calling and he is shaking it. If you see it, you won't probably see it because I'm doing this thing. And uh, at this point, I'm hoping that they're already out. They should be. But uh, these shots of uh, these Zoom clips and little IGTV, maybe I'll include Kyle Swish in his drink. Um, what do we got there, Kyle? It's iced tea. It's iced tea. So he is living in Texas. Is it sweet tea or is it iced tea? Regular unsweet iced tea. I'm not a big sweet tea guy, but it no. does look like a nice little single cast barrel of, of bourbon. But it it's, does look a little bit that way. Unfortunately, but, it's not. <laughs> it's a little early for that. Well, it's five o'clock somewhere. Um, I am drinking water. I have already had my two cups of coffee this morning. Uh, it's nine o'clock my time, but my wife is in this stage of pregnancy where um she snores like a banshee and i love her to death but i've been awake i've been awake since five because i would tap her and say baby snoring and she okay and she would roll over and then she starts snoring again so um if that's the worst thing that i have to put up with during this pregnancy then lord let that be um because that is the smallest thing with what my wife does uh, on a daily basis uh but we i kind of i mentioned it earlier um his name but i want to intro my guest today his name is kyle kyle is a close dear friend of mine he is a brother who is weird because it's actually annoying because I feel like I'm kind of like a, it takes a little, at least I would like to think, maybe I don't want it to be this way, but generally I don't let people in super close. I don't like people reading my mail. Kyle, I met at a Red Rocks concert, a worship night. And it literally, our first conversation, he had read my mail and I'm like, dude, stop. It's, it was, he, he like prophesied, my wife and I were engaged. He goes, y'all are going to have a big table in your house. Your, your ministry is going to be around your food. Um, he didn't, he met me the first time. He didn't know I like to cook. He like, he um, has just spoken uh, life into my wife and I, we had a whole conversation this morning off mic. Uh, Jess was down here in the basement with us and um, talking about pregnancy. And he's just, he's a good friend of mine. He's a, uh, he needs to get, he needs to move out here out to Denver um, so that I can have more Kyle time. Um, but Kyle, I, I've been doing this fun thing. It's fun for me because the responses are always so different that um, you have 45 seconds, which this is going to be hard for you because you could, you in, in the same way that I am, but you are a talker. Um, we like to talk the two of us, which is why we get along, but you only get 45 seconds to meet somebody in an elevator and tell them who you are. Um, and that's it. You get 45 seconds. Ready? Go. Okay. My name is Kyle Negretti, Kyle James Negretti. <laughs> I'm an absolute wild man. I've given my life to literally love the hell out of people. Mm. And what I do for a living is I operate as an entertainment agent. So I get to work with those that have influence. And I feel like God has directed me to influence those that have influence. And I just, I love people. I live a big life. And I feel like Jesus asked me a few years ago, he said, history will tell me, uh, history will tell to the world if you believe me or not. And so I'm a wild man. I wake up every day and I say, God, will you just make me crazy enough to believe you? Mm. And so I think with that, it's a very scary prayer. Um, if you want your life to be flipped upside down, start praying that. And so I just live my, my, I live my life directed at people. I want to give people a, an excuse to dream again wow. and that they would know who they are because I feel like we, the world has, has said that we need to let people, places, and things audition for the role that I would say that God had always assigned you to uniquely play. And so it's that hero's journey of becoming uh, the main character in your own story. So I would say that that's what I do for a living, what that looks like, ton of different vehicles, but I laugh, I dance, I sing. I love to be outdoors. I love to have a ton of fun and uh, I love making people laugh. That's yeah, me. And you're, you're so seconds? that was 45 seconds. That was great. Sure. That was, um, I actually wasn't counting, but we'll just say that it was, uh, don't okay. fact check us. Cause those who are recording to this will probably like 
scroll back and be like, okay, let's start the timer now. But yeah. uh, Kyle is awesome. Uh, he, I love that he didn't, this is fun for me because Kyle, um, he played college football and he in my, is in the same vein of me of like, that was not in your definition of what you are, or like you didn't even mention it. Like Kyle, Kyle played for a for the University of Southern California for the Trojans. He was a punter. Uh, he had accolades uh, at when he played. And um, today, his birthday is coming up November first. Well, his birthday was November first um, because this is airing after that. Uh, but he, uh, his birthday is November first. He turned thirty two. So what would that be? 14 years ago, you were a college football player. Um, and today you're living a very different life um, and you're doing a lot of cool things. Uh, Kyle, Kyle is a, uh, a city jumper as far as home base is Austin. But uh, I would say you are in other places than Austin more often than you're in Austin. Yes, unfortunately, but uh, fortunately. It's a cool, it's, we were just talking, it's a season. Uh, you'll, you'll have a season where, uh, once, once you are married and, uh, settled down with little ones running around, um, it'll be, it'll be different, but uh, yeah, see, because we're not going to get too far into this. I, I, I think, but I think up until this point, I just haven't had a, a true reason outside of building community to stay in one place. And yeah. when I say that, I think that has been directly correlated in that I, I hadn't found my person, although yeah. that has changed. That has changed. Uh, that through, has changed. <laughs> through, I'm not going to take any credit for the actual meeting of your person, but I would like to take at least a little bit of my constant nudging and annoying you to, to put yourself yeah. out there. Because yeah. you are, Kyle is wildly, um, wildly successful, not, and, and you can measure that in a, 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 however you want. There are a multitude of ways that you can measure that, but he is just, he's a driven guy. He's a goal oriented guy. He's got big dreams. I think his dreams shape his vision, which uh, shape his uh, drive and how he does it. He's just good at going and doing what he thinks he wants to do. And what he wants to do is what he hears from the Lord and what to do. And so um, there was, a lot of time that I, I had to sit and say, Hey, it's okay to also look after what you want. And what do you want? Do you want to pursue somebody? <laughs> you got to make time for it. And so, uh, here you are super stoked about that. And I hope that you settle down in Denver. That's fine. Um, or maybe Jess and I will move, Jess and I will move to Austin or I'm going to be honest. We won't move to LA. Um, that's, no, that's not going to happen. Um, too expensive. Um, that not that Denver is not much better. Uh, but Kyle, uh, your story is one of, uh, many stops. Your story is one of many jobs, uh, or I hate the word jobs, but like things that occupied your time, uh, Paul, Paul's tent building, uh, type thing. Uh, you've done a lot of ministry in a lot of unique ways, uh, your heart for ministry is unique. Uh, I think that that's one thing that we as a society need to debunk is that you need to be attached to a church to do ministry. Um, Kyle doesn't work for a church and Kyle does ministry every day. Um, I do ministry every day and I don't work for a church. Uh, but Kyle, I would love to, uh, um, this podcast, I keep saying it, but I think repetition is Kyle also does literary. Uh, he's a literary agent. Um, so he connects pastors with um, who are writing books with people who can make that happen. Um, and so uh, words are really important to both of us and repetition is very important in literary tactic. Uh, and I keep saying over and over again, this podcast is Holy Spirit driven. Um, and if you haven't got the, the neon lettered sign that I keep throwing up here, it is again, like um, this podcast is driven solely by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this conversation is Holy Spirit ordained. And so uh, Kyle, if you would, um, I don't know what God is putting on your heart this morning. I know, I don't even, I, I could like direct us because I know your testimony or I know 
as much as I can, I think through the exposure that I've had to you over the last two years, um, exposure feels impersonal. The time that I've spent with you over the last two years. Um, but I don't even want to do that. I want your heart. I trust you. And so open-ended, uh, here we go. Yeah, I love that. What was interesting is, is when you were, when you were talking about, uh, when you were describing, you said a, a man with vision, Mm. um, for whatever reason that, that was highlighted because I could tell you that that is, that's not always been the case. Mm. Um, and I would say every single day, you know, the Bible talks about where there is no vision, the people perish. perish. And um, I, I never wanted to be one to be marked by a man without vision, but I, I felt like I was because my, the vision that I had casted for myself was, was again, I casted it for myself <laughs> and it wasn't uh, partnering with what I believe God said about my future. And so I love the art of storytelling and I, I I'm a nerd when it comes to researching and, and one of the, I think one of the greatest stories in terms of vision, uh, one that I have told for for many years, but one that I always resonate with is actually the story of Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. And there's a documented story of Stevie. So Stevie was born blind and um, it was documented that his, his mom said, hey, Stevie, just so you know, like we were born blind because our God is cursed by God, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is why we're, we're born blind because our family. And there's a real story. Uh, Stevie's seven years old and he had a best friend named Billy that lived next door to him. And the story goes there in the backyard and there was a Billy's parents had this big barn with a ton of antiques and old junk stuff, you know, junk in the, in the back of this barn. And uh, Billy and Stevie were, were walking through the barn. Obviously Stevie's blind. And the story goes is that Stevie was in the barn walking through it and he ended up tripping and falling and bracing himself And as he put out his hands, his hands hit this old piano. Hmm. And on this old piano, as soon as his hands hit, these sounds started erupting. And Stevie jumps and says, Billy, Billy, I can see, I can see, I can see. And Billy runs inside because he's freaked out because he knew that his best friend was blind. Yeah. And so the story goes that then Stevie runs home and he's yelling, I can see, I can see, which it'd be pretty funny to be a fly on the wall for a blind yeah. girl running home. <laughs> right, like that in yeah. itself is really funny. That I would imagine up. some trash cans got knocked over. On exactly. The, on the <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'd pay a top dollar to see Stevie be running home. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, can yeah. you just imagine, right? Um, and I just think it's, it's really funny. And he runs in the house and he says, mama, mama, I can see, I can see. And Stevie's mom says, you can't, Stevie, you can't see me. Like, you can't see this blue blouse that I'm wearing. Like, what are you talking about? And he responds, this is a documented true story. He says, mama, mama, I can see, I can see. I was at Billy's and I, I was in the barn and I stumbled and I, I, I fell and I put my hands on, I fell on this thing. And then I, these sounds erupted and there were all these sounds and there was all these, I, I saw these faces and I, I saw these stadiums and I saw these people laughing and I saw these people crying and I saw these people singing. Hmm. She goes, what are you, what are you talking about, son? I'm like, I can't see my hands. And he responded to something so profound, seven years old. And he said, no, mama, you, you don't understand. I don't, I don't see with my, my outer eyes. I see with my inner eyes. Hmm. Mommy, I'm going to, I'm going to make sounds. Hmm. I want to make sounds and I want to make people happy. And, Mom, I, I saw these faces and I saw these stadiums and I saw these events and this is what I'm going to do, Mama. I'm going to make sounds and I'm going to make people happy. Wow. I can see them. And seven years later, Stevie went on to master 11 instruments. And what is it? $700 million later. I don't know whatever the, whatever his yeah. net worth is. Yeah. But I would hope that his mom would understand the reality of what took place. Isn't she thankful that Stevie was able to see with his inner eyes and his outer eyes. And so what I've had to ask myself is I I tell people, don't let blind people proofread the vision that God has given you. 
but to know that you have to know the vision that God has given you, right? Helen Keller also said that the only thing that would be worse than being born blind is being born with sight and not having vision, right? And so what I've learned is that although sight is the function of our eyes, but vision is the function of our hearts, right? Mm. And so I would say that God has given us vision so we didn't have to live by what we see. Because so often what we see in the natural, but what God has given us vision for to see beyond what is natural, right? That's why it was the, it was the hopes set before Jesus that he endured the cross. Dang. Yeah. Right. And so not only do we have to see the hope that's been set before us first, I think the real reality, the real beauty is when we start seeing the hope set before each other. But that can only happen if I begin to see the hope that's been set before me through the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. And so in that it's God, what do you say about my future? Right. I think faith at the fundamental, at the elementary core level, bare bones at the very core is just simply saying yes to what God says about our future. Yeah, I love that. I love this the the aspect that of seeing like the hope for other people. I think that so often like we're called to be dreamers. I I, I think we're called to like God. God puts vision and like on our hearts, like you're saying, that is so much bigger than our natural, like our our earthly eyes can see, and like we immediately debunk those dreams because our eyes can't see how they could be attained, how it's, how it's fathomable, fathomable. And I think that I've become such a dreamer. I used to not be. And now it's to the point where like, I love dreaming for other people. Like, it's fun for me to be like, I see what you're doing. I see where it could go. This is how we're going to get it there. I believe in you. I believe in it. And I think so many people are like, they have this governor on their lives because they see through those natural eyes. And I, I don't think, I know that you're not one of those people. I, I know that your life has been shaped by the fact that, um, man, I think Jess and I were talking about this. It was, um, it was spurred on by a conversation that I had with Chad uh, Brugman a couple of weeks ago um, over the idea of like, you experience God in two places the most clearly, and that's on out on a limb and at rock bottom. And as humans, I think we kind of, like, at least I, I crave that experience such a way that like, I miss being unemployed and I miss being so poor that I can't pay my rent. And like, because I was so desperate to see God, um, and to, and to experience God. But now I live my life in the opposite way where like, I would rather just constantly be out on a limb. Like constantly, like I'm not, I'm no longer like at rock bottom, but I am so far out on a limb that if I take one step, I might fall and I pray to God and I have faith that God is going to catch me. But like, um, you live life out on a limb, uh, <laughs> like you, you, you live this Stevie wonder, uh, internal, uh, internal eyes, vision thing to its, to the T, uh, you, I mean, to like, Will you talk a little bit about your um, your life outside of this country? Uh, how? Because I think that that's something that you that you've talked about. Like, man, the supernatural is something that is very Western culture watered down. Uh, what, uh, we we debunk it as weird. Uh, we push it push it aside as. Um, not realistic and well duh it's supernatural it's not realistic realistic is in itself um not supernatural uh and so you spent a lot of time uh in third world countries where they are at rock bottom at times um they live in a world of desperation um and you've been engulfed in that submerged in it could you speak to that yeah i um you know it's it's very it's very interesting because, I mean, I, we could sit and talk. I'd love to just sit and talk miracles um, yeah. at, at some point. Maybe that'll be for another another podcast for another day. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I, I have, Mitch, as you, as you shared, you know, I have had the, the privilege and opportunity to, 
to do some work in some in different countries. The first being was uh, in Nigeria. Then I had the privilege of living in Haiti for a couple of years. And then uh, now a lot of my efforts have been uh, focused in South America, specifically in Colombia and Venezuela and planning churches there. Um, and so in terms of, you know, vision, I think that one of the, the interesting parts um, about God and why and how he moves in the developing world, it's, you know, it's the question that everybody asks, why do miracles happen in Mozambique and Haiti and South America and the Ukraine and the secret church in China in ways that they don't operate or don't happen here in the States. And, you know, I, it's been a question that I've had to wrestle with and I've had to ask myself why, I mean, I, I have seen miracles happen stateside and I hope that I'd be a conduit of, of that to, to usher in this new era, this, this kingdom that is right now, heaven is a now thing. Heaven's not something yeah. that we, uh, we get to, it's something that we, we have access to now. So why not start to, I just tell people, why don't we just start the party early? What are we waiting for? Okay. Um, and so I very much feel that way, but I, as I've wrestled with this, you know, and it very much, it very much feels, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but it, it, it feels like, you know, the, the reason why, I shouldn't say the reason why, but I think one of the reasons why uh, miracles, it's not that they have more faith in the developing world. I think just at the very core, they have less options. Hmm. Less options to distract. Less less accessibility. It's like, oh, I have cancer. I don't have access to chemotherapy. So God, you have to remove this tumor. I mean, like it's that, I mean, and it could be that practical. And again, I am in no way saying that going in chemotherapy is a second class healing. No, it's not that either. But I think we, I think that we can mistake accessibility and, and being distracted with lack of faith or lack of vision. And I think that that is probably true in in certain cases, but also, I mean, there's just a part of like, God, if, if, God, if you're anywhere in the, you know, sometimes when I'm, when I'm praying and with uh, people who don't believe in God, I get to pray for people on the streets and what, God, if you're anywhere in the neighborhood, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. (laughs) That's how I love starting. God, if you're anywhere in the neighborhood. Um, And so I, I say that in, you know, it's, it's really beautiful that, you know, specifically when I was, when I was living in Haiti, one of the things that I loved is one, like suicide doesn't exist there which is so fascinating when you look at the plight of the, the people. Yeah. Uh, one, I think that they're extremely, they're family centered. They protect each other. Uh, but you're talking about uh, an entire people group that have for generation after generation become so desensitized to their own brokenness and to their own plight. They don't know any different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if like the lights aren't on today, well, great. The lights weren't on yesterday, but if the yeah. lights are on right now, like fantastic. We'll enjoy it by, for the time being that we have lights. Yeah. Right. And I, yeah. I think that that was the, the, one of the most interesting parts about the de- specifically the developing world, especially impoverished places is this idea of Jesus being our daily bread. Hmm. For instance, there are the majority of the country in Haiti, Haitians don't have food for tomorrow. Right. They only buy food for today. today. Yeah. One, many of them don't have access to refrigerators, so you can't store meat, um, all the things. And then oftentimes the electricity is run on government power. So the government just gets, just decides when they're going to turn the power on and off. Right. So it's just, you're, you're gambling with electricity. Okay. So that's how it works. So what's really interesting is, is literally every single day, it's God, give us this day, our daily bread. They actually live that way. Like I knew many families that had to pray in the morning for God to provide food for them that day. And if they didn't, they weren't going to eat. Wow. And so when we're confronted with that level of faith, with that level of vision, and I think it, one, I think it, it convicted me of like, man, God, I, I, I need to, I need to really tap into 
what this actually looks like and to my privilege. Two, it challenged me because I oftentimes don't live in a place of this constant dependency, right? Which is a whole nother topic. And that I think that true maturity, not to get too far off this, but I think the world would say from a, I don't like using the word secular, but from a worldly view, maturity means becoming more independent. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. as you mature, the more independent you become. The further away you are from your parents' house or your parents' um, financial support, the further away you are from needing to be anybody, like attached to anybody. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Life in the spirit. The more mature that you become, the more dependent you become. Hmm. Yeah. So God flips the script on maturity. And I don't know why I went down this little tangent right here, but I, I, but I actually feel like as men, we've been led to believe, and I don't think that it's entirely wrong, but we've been led to believe that I just need to become super independent. I need to have all my ducks in a row, which we do. Mm-hmm. But there, I think that we've overcompensated that. And now there are people that are chasing things. I, I like to say, you know, a lot of my life was spending money that I hated to earn to impress people that I didn't even like. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say that the majority of people that I meet feel that way. Now, do they want, do they, do they actually have the language in that way to share? Maybe not, but that's okay. We give them language. But the majority of people that I come in contact with aren't happy and satisfied with their job. They aren't satisfied with their current financial position. If they are satisfied with their financial position, there's this utter chaos and, and demand from Casper the Friendly Ghost to make more money, to do more, to be more, to to show yourself as having more, all of those external pressures, which we've talked about extensively. Mm -hmm. And I think that ultimately it comes, it all comes back down to vision is what, what is that thing that God has spoke? What is that thing that God has done? And how can we attach ourselves to what God says about us? Hmm. And it's a very interesting It's a very interesting, wild, I would say, tension that we find ourselves in all the time. And so I say all of that to then tie it back to back to Haiti of like, man, I want to I want to have vision for tomorrow and for 10 years from now. I do. But not at the expense of me not having vision for right now. Hmm. Like in this present moment, I will tell you that there is no place that I would rather be than talking to you on this podcast. And if I don't engage with this time in that way, then you're wasting it. I'm wasting it. And so what do we do? Right. This time is the only finite resource that we all have equal amount of. Maybe air would be the other one. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So how I choose to use and spend and deploy and invest that time says a heck of a lot about the vision that I have for my own life. The vision and the worth that you place on yourself. Correct. Like, I think, man, I love this. I love this. I actually had a coffee with a friend yesterday, Jordan Hunt, who was on here earlier in the previous episodes. Uh, I have to look up which one he was, but we were talking about how he like hates his job right now and he has no vision for it. He just does it again to make, to make his money, to pay his rent. And I challenged, him. I was like, dude, what would it look like? Like how much, like, what would it look like for you to maybe sacrifice comfort in the financial way to pursue something that you love and that you're passionate about? Like, what would that look like? Uh, because you're not valuing your time. Like you're, you're, you're allowing other people to drive why you spend your time. Uh, And to me, that's, 
that is, I think you have been the biggest, mo- one of the biggest motivators to why I work the job that I do, why I do the work that I do is because I value my time in such a way that we were talking about this. Uh, I can't remember if it was on mic or not, but about, uh, no, it wasn't, but like how much like an hour of your time would be worth like what would the financial what would the fiscal dollar amount be for an hour of your time and where are you going to spend it like where does it what if you're not defined if you haven't defined your vision then you don't know if you can categorize it in a uh in a way that is encouraging growth provoking um, fostering of like healthy habits, or is it doing what you're talking about where you're spending money to please people that you don't like, (laughs) like not spending, making, spending time, making money to please people that you don't like. I think that's, I think that you are an example of that for me. Um, because you chase your dreams. Um, and I love the, 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 what you're saying about your daily bread. Um, I think we, and, I, and maybe this is not politically correct, but I just, but like in America right now, you hear this, the you have um, privilege, like the privilege term is thrown around a lot um, in arguments between different um, social classes, different um, social groups, racial groups, like political groups, it's like the biggest thing is always privilege, I feel. But when you're talking about <laughs> the Haitians who are praying for electricity maybe once a week, yeah. how privileged are we just to be American? <laughs> um, or is it a privilege to be American? Because we then have this uh this belief that we like we don't get to experience god in the way that haitians do because we are in in uh, inundated with just the world <laughs> uh yeah. whereas um haiti doesn't have that it's like a it's like a blessing and a curse it's like they live like we were talking about like they live at rock bottom and so they experience god in a way that we don't who don't live it our rock bottom is like their there praise god like um entirely and so and that's crazy i think that's um yeah yeah it was it was interesting i sorry if you could hear the little click on my my i i I just i felt right now just led to go so that that verse uh where there is no vision right the yeah people perish uh, i just i i felt like i was supposed to go read it out of the passion translation Hmm. Um, and it says where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul, hmm. which is beautiful. And I perceive that and receive that as well. So without personally developing our vision, right, for who we want to be, what we're going to be about, what our future should look like, right, we end up. I would say giving up the long-term process for the short-term gain, hmm. right? And so we live in this world that says, how can I get the most out of you with the least amount of, amount of investment? And I believe that we oftentimes um, engage with ourselves in that way as well, right? Everything's about a life hack. Everything's about how do we become more efficient? How do we do more with less time? I get all that. But I think that it has also been at the expense of us not, actually carrying out the vision for our own lives. And so I really, I think that there's something about the sweet fruit of perseverance that awaits all those people that refuse to fold in that natural tendency for that shortcut, right? Because anyone could take or follow an easy path, Mm -hmm. right? But I think that God is raising up men and he has absolutely positioned you, Mitch. He's absolutely assigned you to trailblaze this, this new path because you have dared to take a road less traveled. Mm. Right. And so I think one of the most important impartations in the body of Christ is this infusion of aggressive hope, right. That 
mm-hmm. produces and cultivates in us this ability to stand, right? This, this posture of heart, uh, this posture of spirit that prevents us being tossed around by the storms that are ensuing. Hmm. Right. And so I think that that is what I, that is my biggest prayer is that I think of the Holy spirit oftentimes as the midwife. And, you know, it's so beautiful that here we are, you, you will have, you will have your beautiful. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) Your dad, but like what is birth in us? like then becomes something that is released out of us. And it's this river of life that has withstood the blows, yeah. right? That has withstood the terrible mistakes that ha- that has withstood the terrible decision that have withstood the terrible things that happened to us, right? Where they're now on the reverse because we now have vision and not just sight, Right where there's now this prophetic resiliency that has this multiplying effect that empowers each other to prevail. Right. Mm. Which is what I love about you. Thank you. And I I love about how God has positioned you and assigned you. I love that you've held me accountable to the, to my desires. I love that when terrible things have happened and you've been in a bind that you felt comfortable enough to to come to me. I love that. I'm one of your celebratory friends that when good things happen, you have needed to reach out and celebrate. Cause you know, I just want to see you win. Yeah. Right. And I just want to say as yeah. men, we need people to celebrate each other with. I actually believe you can entirely correct me if I'm wrong and call me a heretic. <laughs> I think that it is actually more vulnerable as men to share good things and things that we want to be celebrated in than it is to share the terrible thing we did last night or the terrible thing we watched or how sick and tired we are of our mom. Yeah. Well, cause one, one is portrayed as prideful and the other is portrayed as broken and broken is celebrated. Broken is yeah. broken is like um, everyone likes to, well, thank you for your kind words. First of all, I, I don't want those to go on, um, on, acknowledged but i think that brokenness like we live in such a world that uh man we're addicted to the attention that you get from being broken like you're we're addicted to this idea that like like i like i am sad and when i am sad everyone will reach out and comfort me and um that is whereas and i fought this for a long time uh Dude, I, 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 you're so right though about like, we would rather be, I don't want to tell you all the cool things that I'm doing in my life right now, because then that sounds like I'm bragging or I'm like, like, I might know that right now you're struggling. And so why would I then like kind of rub some salt in the wound that I'm doing great? Like I, um, I think with sports growing up, I always felt that way too, because we were taught, like, don't talk about your successes because then you're bragging and then you're cocky and you're a douche. Like, don't do that. Um, and so that carried into my life. I mean, I, I've, I have achieved a lot of things worldly that I am should be super proud of, but I will not talk to you about them. <laughs> um, I have, I have accolades that I, some of my friends have no clue that I have done and they, I hope that they never will. And that shouldn't be that way. Yeah, I would exactly. say it's, yeah. why because I don't want I don't I don't I don't want them to think that I think so highly of myself when in reality it's not how I think highly of myself it's just like God has given me giftings and abilities and put me in rooms to uh to use those giftings that have been recognized by the world and that is um I think you're so right I think that's crazy how uh, I think there's a lot of men who are probably listening to this who I think we're like taught to just completely uh, diminish what God, like we are, we are, we are conditioned to diminish the gifts of God. Like how, how much do we water down God and his greatness by saying what he's made is not as good as it actually is. Like we don't, we don't need the world to do it to us because we just do it to ourselves. Uh, And I think that that is, it's a sad realization. It's a sad reality. yeah, I, I love that verse that you said. Um, 
uh, it's Proverbs 29, 18. If y'all are listening, when not if, cause you are listening, but, um, the, the passion translation, I pulled it up on my computer. Um, and I like word studies. And so like you keep using the word prophecy and, and then again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've operated under the understanding that prophecy is calling the God out of something or someone. And so a lot of times we get, uh, stuck on like prophecy as like, seeing visions and telling the future. And I think that that is a result of prophecy um, because I see in you, Kyle, God. And because of that, I know that there's no bounds to what you can do. And so you going, your business becoming a multi-million dollar business, me speaking that is prophecy because I believe in in the God in you to Mm -hmm. make that happen. Um, Yeah. And, and so when it says like, uh, when there is no clear prophetic vision, so I say, okay, when there is no vision that is so inundated with God, like that, you, I have to like call God out of this vision. Um, people quickly wander astray. Well, um, but when you follow the revelation of the word revelation, um, I have, um, again, tell me if I'm wrong, cause you are, um, supremely versed in Bible studies than I am. Um, but revelation is just a more being shown more of God's face. Like, so I pray for revelation that God, you would just show me more of your face. Um, and there's revelation in circumstance, like God, show me more of your face in this circumstance. And so that verse then goes and says, uh, but when you follow the seeing more of God's face of the word, um, heaven's bliss fills your soul. So the more that like you see God in this vision that is filled with God, you are filled with bliss. And I think that that is so cool because it just puts, man, it just substitution and within words is fun with definitions. Cause it just like, God is now filled in that verse, like, uh, yeah. and which then that verse we're applying to our life. So if we take that, that and say, okay, God, you are, in every vision that I have, every dream that I have. And because of that, I'm seeing more of you. And that is just freaking cool. Um, But that's a prayer that you have to start praying is like, God, will you show me, will you give me visions that you are so full of you and not full of me? Totally. Yeah. I I think it's both. Yeah. Good. Good. Just because revelation at the very, at the very core, right. Is just something being made known. Mm-hmm. Right, something being revealed, the understanding, yeah. the awareness of something being made known, mm-hmm. and so I, I love, I love all that you just shared. I'm over here taking notes, mm-hmm. um, but it's like the the word. But when you follow the the word, right, the word being made known, heaven's bliss fills your soul or where there's no clear prophetic vision when what God says about your future is made known, that's prophecy, Hmm. right? Because the, the prophecy, you know, prophecy, obviously the prophets, God spoke to the prophets and the prophets spoke. Hmm. That was prophecy. It was God speaking through humans, humans being able to make known that which that God says. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it all needs to be tested, but at the at the end of the day, Paul's like all shall prophesy <laughs> because the church is going to be exhorted, the church is going to be encouraged, the church is going to be comforted, the church is going to be challenged, and all the other things because of it. Hmm. And so, what would it look? I mean, I just I I so deeply oh gosh, it's so it's so wild. Uh, I love. I love one of the, my favorite stories is, you know, the prophet Samuel, the Bible says that not one of his words hit the ground. That is fascinating to me. And if Proverbs talks about that, if we have the, the power of life and death on our tongue, I tell people then, then if that's the case, life or death, then we've never spoken a neutral word. So what would it, what would it look like to live in a place that there was not one word that came out of our mouth that wasn't life-giving? Wow. Right. And then what's fascinating is there's a part of the Bible. You're, you're the Bible scholar, not me. So I need to correct you there. Um, That's just not true. Is that there's this beautiful verse that, and God says, how, how long will you stop mourning over Saul? Hmm. And Saul was an enemy. 
Yeah. And I just, I think about that in this, the culture that we live in as, as men, where everyone's just constantly sizing each other up. And I need to ask you what you do so I can therefore know if you're an asset to me or not. Because again, we live in the culture, as I mentioned earlier, that says, okay, Mitch, how can I get the most out of you? Yeah. With the least and, amount of investment. And, and then where, how can you help me? How can you help me? And where can I slot you on the totem pole of society? And therefore, how can I speak to you? And how do I need to speak to you? If you are, if you are in a position of power and can do something for me, then I speak to you in a way that is um I hate the word groveling, but like that is uh, honestly, you could say respectful and like, or are you less than me? Therefore I can speak down to you. Um, And I think that that's, I'm just, I, I keep coming to this thought of like, I think a lot of conversation that we have is the maintenance of comfort. And we're afraid as men to, uh, push back against that into discomfort. Uh, and part of that is like with this podcast, like saying things that are challenging. Like, I think, I think I keep coming to you. You had said something like literally two seconds ago, um, that made me think of like, we are just like numb as men. Like we are, we are very neutral. And, uh, what it was, was this pot, like the idea to challenge somebody to, to capture every word, uh, as positive or negative, and honestly, like if you could identify a day and put into different uh, buckets what your words were, what would they be? What, what, what on a scale would one be heavier than the other? Uh, and that is a challenging thought. And like in my in my processing, as I'm saying this, I'm like people listening to this, like that might be abrasive. Or I hope it steps on your toes. <laughs> like I oh, hope that I hope it doesn't just step on your toes. I hope it knocks you over and knocks you flat on your face, just like it did me. Yeah, because like that's something that I need to like as you as you were saying that I was like cataloging even my words today of like where would those have landed and um, I've been awake for three four and a half hours so like I I think like I I don't this is something that I'm I'm really being taught um, or realization that with this podcast that there are certain things that podcast people would advise to do or not do. And it's all for the pleasing of, uh, the masses so that it's shared so that it is then, uh, the, the metrics are constantly up and to the right. And I think doing something that makes somebody uncomfortable is something that is not going to provoke growth numerically in this podcast but i don't care (laughs) i really don't and so like with this like i want to challenge you that like if you listen to this your words they matter and what you're speaking is life or death a or b there is no in between uh and so and that's challenging to me in the fact that like i need to uh really take a inventory on the way that i speak what the way I speak over the course of a day, uh, because it's either heaven or hell, <laughs> like life or death. There is no in between. And are you speaking life or are you speaking death? And I don't know. I'm not perfect. I don't know how I do in that, that test, honestly. Yeah. Especially I, during football season. Oh yeah. And I would say though, although this is included, the scarier inventory is when we go a step further and we start talking about our thoughts. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a ton of different studies. I don't know how someone could, could quantify how many thoughts that we have or the words that we think about, about ourselves a day, but I've heard like some, something between like 25 and 35,000 words in terms of like the thoughts that we have collectively about ourselves. And over 80% of those are negative. Right. Mm. Uh, which is crazy to think about. And so then we, you know, we read the verse of, in Luke six, right? I think it's verse, yeah, verse 45 that, you know, it talks about a good man brings forth good things out of the good that's stored up in his own heart, while an evil man, right, brings the evil things that are stored up in his heart. And then it's that famous verse that says for out of the, out of the mouth, the heart speaks, Yeah. right? What you say flows out of your heart. For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. For out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. 
And so what's interesting is, is that 18 inch journey from your head to your heart. That's why we need to be so conscious and aware of our thought life. And I think that that is where I would say the, the, the enemy has attacked men and women, but specifically men is in that 18 inch journey from a thought that we don't take captive that then that thought then materializes on its 18 inch journey down to our heart. And then now our heart is not filled with all of the best things, not filled with vision. It's filled with resentment. It's filled with insecurities. It's filled with not being good at all the things. And then now what I'm doing for someone like you, who's more successful, has a cool job, has a wife, has a baby on the way, I could sit back and resent you because now I'm just going to create a situation out of my own insecurity to run away from. Hmm. And I'm going to build a case against you because actually I'm just resenting how I feel about myself, but I need you to be the test subject because then I don't have to confront actually what's in myself. I just get to tag it onto you, which is a, we could talk about this for, (laughs) I don't need to open up Pandora's box, but I could just, no, no, you're speaking, you're speaking to, Literally this morning I was reading uh, in Colossians uh, and so put to death Colossians 3, 5. So put to death sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the, uh, worshiping the things of the world because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life is still a part of the world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have been stripped of your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. And I think to like, when you're, saying our thought life all of those things are thought life forward those are like what shape my thought life and then you talk about the 18 inches and i see this picture of like we see these like smoker lungs and they're decrepit and they're like black and um i see my heart being this black rotting type image and it's no wonder it's that way because i'm looking and my my thoughts are determined by what my eyes see. My eyes see junk. My thoughts are then, if they're not captured, they have so much power over, man, how I speak. Like, it's this big circle. Like, it's my eyes see out, which determines my thought, which d- then determines the condition of my heart, which then circles up to my mouth and determines how I speak. And mm-hmm. it's all about the world that we live in and whether or not, like, what you're putting in front of you the people that you're putting in front of you, your vision, we come back to vision of like, what are your goals? What are your true, what is your true vision? Is your vision through the lens of God or is it through the lens of world? And I think, I think you alluded to it. uh, And we can talk about why you alluded to it if you would like. Uh, But I have for sure spent time chasing the vision of the world I was 21 years old, making a lot of money doing orthopedic sales, interacting with women online in the way that I should not be interacting with women online, Uh, just all to chase the idea that I could talk about the money I made and the girls that I was talking with and the truck that I drove. Uh, And it took a shift in vision uh, to A, I lost all of that. Um, I lost all of the girls and gained one. Um, which is God math, amazing world math, um, multiple girls or multiple is less than, or is, is better than one. Um, but in, in the world that I'm living in today, one is all I want and all I need. Right. And so all of that, like you might not do, you might do something and the world would say it's crazy. Um, it just depends on the, the lens that you're looking through. Yeah. I agree entirely. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. I just, I mean, my biggest prayer, Mitch, for, I mean, I just, I, I want to implore all of our listeners to do the flipping work and you may not have any idea of where to start, but even if it's just hearing these testimonies and hearing the other 17 uh, podcasts that have been before this and going on. And I, I would say 
uh, not that this is a plug, but going on and and um, reading and and contemplating on Mitch's Instagram posts, which are extremely extremely powerful and thought provoking and challenging. Um, we are here to be a resource, and and I and I I truly mean that. I I think that as I as we've talked about, the, I think the world has emasculated as emasculated men, and I think that we have been told that we either have to be super tough and rigid and an asshole or we're all the other things we're walking around. I got to be careful with the words that I use. <laughs> we're, it's just, there, there's no, there's no, you can't, you can't be masculine. You can't be a man of the woods and also super gentle and tapped into your emotions. And at the same time, and I think that that's a, that's, that's a, that's a fraud. I think Bullshit. that you tried to flip and rob us of that. Yeah. And so yeah. I just, I want to say, do the work. If you don't have the emotional tools, there are resources out there to help you. And it all, mm-hmm. it's all wrapped around in discussion. It happens in community. You cannot flipping do life alone and people mm-hmm. talk about it, but I, I mean it. I just implore you get around men that are doing the work. I can yeah. tell you like all the relationships that of people that I know that are around me and all the relationships of people that I talk to around the world. I can tell you the one correlation that I've found is men that have very, very unhealthy relationships with women. I can almost a hundred percent tie it back to them not having healthy relationships with men. Yeah. I I would second that. And so I just want for anyone listening, we're all on a journey. None of us have it all figured out, but there are certain people that have come to certain revelations again, back to things being made aware of. And there are lessons that I've learned by making every mistake in the book. I can tell you for anyone out there, I've done it all. I've seen it all. I've just experienced it all. Right. And so you're not alone. And I, there's just something so profound and so practical about you knowing that you're not alone. And we need, like, we need you here. Like there is purpose for your life. And I'm not just saying this as some theoretical nonsense that some life coach is trying to toss to you on an Instagram ad. I'm saying that there is divine purpose for you. And I think that oftentimes that vision is discovered in the context of community. As I, as I prayed earlier that I believe women get together and get to understand each other and get to know each other eye to eye while men really get to know each other and get together shoulder to shoulder. And so you need men to, to go shoulder to shoulder with. And if that just starts here digitally, great, but go find your people. Go find your people and like, stop being complacent about it. Like, I think that that's one thing as we've settled into this, like complacency, this uh, cruise control, and this is the way my life is. And this is the way it's going to be. But like, why as men, do we believe that we have to be uh, pitted against each other? Like, I think that we live in this culture where it's like, like you're talking about earlier, this comparison thing of like, I need to, to size you up. Why? Like, why can't we just... I take my giftings to the table. You take your giftings to the table and we make something freaking cool. And instead of being in this constant competition with each other, I think that that's as men, we, I think it's funny how a woman's brain versus a man's brain, like to me, Jess hates, 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 hates networking. She doesn't, she hates the, cause it's gross to her. And she sees it as like, like kind of what you're talking about. Like, her experiencing with networking is experience with networking is that it's always for ulterior motives. There's no, and that's from a woman looking in because for her, she's friends with the people that she's friends with because she wants to be friends with them, period. That is how her brain works from what she has seen looking into the life of men growing up, grow like just her whole life. There is no networking without ulterior motives. And how sad is that as men? And is that's the example that we're setting? Yeah. And, and I think that that is a standard. I want to keep pushing back on um, 
I, I want to keep pushing back on the idea of uh, men being comfortable. Like, let me say things that are uncomfortable to you and honestly, either take it and be offended by it. I don't care. But like, I, I want you to, because the world has made it so that what I say is offensive because I think there's a reason for that. <laughs> I believe that the, the world does not want us saying things that we're saying in order to, I want to provoke thought. I want us to think for ourselves. Like, like if anything, don't agree with me. Tell me that I'm wrong and come have a conversation with me, please. My Instagram is open. My email is over, uh, is it the over a drink? It's no, it's over a drink podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email, call me. Like, let's have a conversation. Like I want to do that. Because I'm I'm purposely saying things that I believe that I know are gonna probably push your buttons, and I pray to God that they are. But um, I got on a tangent. I got passionate. I hope I hope that that um, that is Kyle has Kyle is a busy man, and I've taken up a lot of his time. Um, oh, bless your mouth, <laughs> Kyle. You you um, have to go here in one second. Um, time flies when you're having fun. Holy cow! Uh, but for we we honestly. We touched on, and I love it. It's the answer to prayer that um, what needed to be included did and what didn't, didn't. We didn't talk a lot about your testimony of all the cool things that you've done, all the things that have happened to you and through you and how you responded to them. And so there will be another, another episode with you. Um, hopefully the next one will be in person so that I can show you, um, introduce you, show you my cool basement. Um, and then if you're here by that, which is where I'm recording my, all my podcasts now. Um, but also if you're here, my baby will be potentially here. And so that's the number one priority oh, is you can hold, I'm, you can I'm hold my little girl. So on. I'm the crazy <laughs> adopted God uncle. Is Deal. Deal. Um, Hey Kyle, thank you. Uh, do you have any last set? I know you do. Um, before we jump off pressing on your heart, what's a thought that um, you you just couldn't walk away without feeling like it needs shared. Yeah. Um, well, one, thank you for the t- first. Thank you for the time. And also a plug for Mitch's personal account. It's at Mitchell G. <laughs> no, truly. I, I tell you guys, I, I don't say this lightly. Uh, his his uh, Instagram posts and also his, the creativeness uh, in terms of his art is incredible. Needs to be celebrated. And thank so you. I... I the thing that I was going to say is, is truly stop waiting for permission. Hmm. I think my prayer and my hope um, is that we, we need people who are going to convict us, uh, convicting us, not in this way of making us feel less than, but, but putting a, a demand on the potential that lives on the inside of us. We need people to challenge us, right? I, I want to, I want to be challenged. I want to surround myself with people who are running in all the areas where I feel like I'm walking. I want people that are going to hold me to a standard that's different. I want to get around people who have shared destiny, not just shared history, right? That's where that challenging element happens. But I think third uh, and most importantly is I want to get around people. And I would just tell you guys, get around people who are going to convince you of what God says about you. Get around people who are going to convince you of the life, of the uniqueness, of the gifts that God has so paid the ultimate price to put on the inside of you. So just practical framework. I'm going to get around people who are going to convict me. I'm going to get around people who are going to challenge me, but most importantly, I'm going to get around people who convince me. And I can tell you that oftentimes the, the, the convicting part and the challenging part is really easy, but finding people who are really going to convince you of your goodness, convince you of why you're here is the hardest element. So when I, when you find those guys, keep them around. Yeah. And I could just tell you, men, you're doing better than you think that you are. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself permission. I just tell you right now, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Pray about it. Those are things that we as men, we're fixers. And we feel like, okay, Kyle just laid out problems or identified issues. Now, how do I fix it? You don't, I, you just pray for it. And I think open-handedly be like, God, who in my life could be this person for me? And if not bring somebody into my life. Um, and, uh, Kyle, thank you so much. Kyle is one of those men in my life. Um, until next time, peace. Thank you. Peace and love. Peace and love. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Over a Drink Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Over a Drink Podcast and on Twitter 
at over underscore a underscore drink. Reach out and send me a message. I'd also like to encourage you to visit our website at theoverdrinkpodcast.com and sign up for our email newsletter. We're working on weaponizing testimonies here on this podcast, and that isn't exclusive to those who are on the podcast. I'd love for you to send me an email at overadrinkpodcast at gmail.com with a written version of your testimony. I'll put it together in a blog format and then resend it out to everybody on that email list. And in an instant, your testimony will become a weapon. You never know what God is teaching you in your story that may affect somebody else's story. Finally, I want to invite you to join me in supporting this project. There will be a link in the episode notes to a platform called Buy Me a Coffee that will allow you to partner financially with the Over a Drink podcast on a monthly or one-time basis to help move the mission forward of reconfiguring societal norms of what a man should be. Keep an eye out for our next episode. Peace.